This is Artist Stories featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. I'm Janae Sanchez, and today I'm with Amber Doe, textile artist, printmaker, and jewelry designer. Amber, thank you for being with me today in Artist Stories. Thank you so much for having me, Janae. I'm very excited for our conversation. Absolutely. So let's jump in. I would love to begin by talking about just your career as an artist at this point. I know you are a full-time artist and that is so for the past eight years. Can you talk about how you reignite your creative development throughout the years and how it has shifted at different points in your career? Absolutely. That's a great question. I think that it's important because there are a lot of layers for creative reinvigoration. As an artist, um, you recognize that you're living outside of a pedagogical standard, like material wealth is indoctrinated as like the primary source of personal value that starts at such a early age. So it's not easy because there are sort of ebbs and flows to the work um, in order to keep going and making work you have to make sort of an uneasy piece with the very real loneliness of working outside of established systems so i try to remember why i'm an artist in the first place and the reason for me is it's about telling underrepresented stories for forgotten members of society and sometimes to be honest you are provided with reinforcement like what happened recently with mitch mcconnell in the news i mean you have to ignore so much in order to maintain peace of mind as a minor- as a minority in the United States. And it starts young and it's beyond your control. And then sometimes you can't ignore what you're facing because you're kind of smacked across the face. You taste salt and warm blood in your mouth and you're like, oh, okay, I can't ignore this. This is what Mitch McConnell is reinforcing and saying, who is American? And how do we define Americans by placing African-Americans outside of the rest of the voting block for the group of Americans? You're thinking, okay, this is how I can get some creative reinvigoration because I feel like a lot of my works are asking that question. Who is American? What does it mean to be American? Um, I didn't ask for that creative reinvigoration, but um, life certainly gave it to me (laughs) with him recently. Recently. Right. So would you say that just throughout your career, you are keen on paying attention to not only your surroundings, but just the political environment of, you know, just American democracy in general? Would you say that? Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I, I listen to other artists and other people that I admire and I hear them say, like, I'm not political. And I'd love to be able to say I'm not political. I'd love to say that my work isn't political, but I think when you exist as a minority in the United States, there's no way for it not to sort of interject itself into your work and the kind of stories that you want to tell with your work. And I mean, a lot of it does end up having to do with, you know, current events in that way and telling older stories with newer stories to sort of mark where we're how we've changed because i really do view art in this kind of way of 
being a barometer of where you are in the world. You can look at art at different points in history and sort of have this sense of what the values were and what's important. And I think that it's a it's a big responsibility within art to reflect that. Amber, can you talk about your artistic root and what is its relationship to your art practice? Yes, I would love to.、Um, if I'm honest, and I think about my artistic roots, I think about that quote, and I'm totally going to mess up who it's from, but it's a very famous quote about、um, your mother being your first country. And I think that my connection to art comes from her originally. She drew a lot and did a lot of crafts when I was growing up. But then my world sort of transformed when my dad took me on my first big trip to museums, and it was to the Louvre and the Musee d'Orsay. So it was like a huge、wow. like, jolt. It was like, okay, you go from <laughs> like, a little kid, and I was a little kid when I went on this trip. To being in these like grand places, massive museums, massive kind of important spaces for like cultural content. And、um, I really rem- remember my grandfather saying to me before I left, you know, you're getting to do something and see something that we'll never get to do. And the way that our lives have worked, we won't see. So we'd really love for you to give us your impressions. And so I really took that to heart. I was、wow. super close to my grandfather. And I think in that way, that sparked my art career in some ways because I felt like this pressure to, or not even a pressure, but like a responsibility I was happy to take on to、um, show what I saw, you know, how I integrated that into my experience, how it related back to our lives in Philadelphia. And I think that I continue that sort of energy with all of. My work and why I'm an artist, like trying to bring it to communities and to even my family communities, you know, understanding they won't have the same opportunities necessarily, but I want to bring them on that journey with me. Wow, that's really powerful. And,、um, you know, just the influence, right, of those, those moments as a child with your, your family, your grandparents.、Um, so, besides your, your immediate family, Can you talk about some of your、uh, artistic influences throughout the years? Yes. I would say、um, the influence that I come back to the most, and that's most prevalent、um, in the way that I view my practice, is the filmmaker and multimedia artist David Lynch.、Mm-hmm. Um, And I think the reason why I come back to him isn't just based on his work. His work is really interesting, and he obviously deals with aspects of American life, which、um, I'm interested in in my own work. But there's such、um, a personal freedom within his work that he expresses visually and that he also is articulate in the way that he talks about.、Um, I also feel like I'm very inspired by him because he is not interested in literal language. He really loves、um, dream logic, as he calls it.、Mm. And I definitely deal in material abstraction myself. In a lot of the work that I'm doing, it isn't necessarily literal, figurative representations. I'm a lot more comfortable in that kind of 
in between gray space, a dark space, a symbolism space. Mm -hmm. And I think that his visual language is really strong and constantly inspires my work. So great. So Amber, you are from the East Coast. Can you talk about how you landed in Arizona and how the desert influences your artistic practice? Absolutely. I spent my entire life growing up in the East Coast. Um, ever since I was a child, I grew up primarily in Philadelphia. And then I moved to New York for college and then stayed. Mm -hmm. And my relationship to New York was just like, this is, you know, the capital of everything in my head and in my mind. And right before I left New York, I was in a very strange place. I was working outside of art specifically, but working sort of within it in the fashion realm. And I had really great immediate co-workers, but the actual job was beyond demoralizing. There was a point in that job where everybody else except me was getting paid. And it felt kind of degrading and strange because I was the only black female in my department. And I would have to, on a weekly basis, like sort of go into the boss's office and essentially beg for a paycheck, even though everybody else was paid seamlessly and without question. And it really started to disturb me and just made me feel incredibly worthless because you're thinking why, I mean, it got to such a point financially that I was literally um, walking to work. I lived in Brooklyn at the time and this office was in Midtown Manhattan. I'd wake up two hours earlier so I could walk there and then I'd walk home because I couldn't afford a Metro card. And I started to feel like, is this really it? Like, is this really what's meant for me? Like, I, I can't, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if I can do this. And on, you know, for some reason, ah, the David Lynch connection, David Lynch had talked about being Finnish and something came across my um, feed or somebody had sent me something about a residency opportunity in Finland. And I was like, Finland, that's where David Lynch from he talked about like a Finnish background I'm gonna apply and I was accepted to that residency and I left New York not knowing how I was going to return to it and a combination of things happened I got this residency it led to lots of other art projects and made me feel like reinforced my life again and felt like I wasn't sort of worthless and then my maternal grandmother got sick, who I was super close to, and she was living in Tucson at the time with my mom. So I knew I had to come to Tucson to spend time with her before she passed away. And then about a year after she passed away, my sister got pregnant and had her daughter and realized that she was not going to be able to take care of her. And so then it became this question of whether I was going to really try to return and struggle or whether I was going to try to be there for my family in a meaningful way and move to Tucson. So I chose to be there for my niece. That's so beautiful, incredible. And, and I know you've mentioned how the landscape, the Arizona landscape, the desert landscape, the Sonoran landscape has been a big part of the your work um can you talk about how how that is so what it, and what it means to you 
I'm telling you, when I say I wanted to reject it, Janae, I really mm. wanted to reject this place <laughs> and this landscape because I had lived in New York for so long. I lived on the East Coast my entire life. And I was just like, you know, culture is based on people there. And it's completely like you're thinking it's the center of the universe and it has to do with like your access to things that are seen as culturally valuable, culturally important. And they're all human based in terms of their importance. And I fought it tooth and nail, but when I came here, I allowed the desert environment to change me and to change my perspective. Because if you want to feel connected to something, that part of you that sparks creativity, that part of you that makes you make art and feel inspired on a daily basis, it really isn't based here on human level culture. It's based on time in the desert. You're observing animals. You're observing a really interesting shift in seasons. You're seeing things that you would never see. And I didn't know it was possible that that could really inform my work and really inform what was important to talk about and what was important to say and what materials to use. I cannot thank the desert enough <laughs> for the gifts I didn't know I wanted or didn't think I needed and tried to reject like as hard as possible and it just didn't work the de the desert won it won it won i love it it won it really won <laughs> amber can you describe the moment that you decided to take uh on an art career full-time what was that like it was scary i mean i grew up in a very like logical household like you have to <laughs> have a certain type of job you earn a very specific paycheck and that's how you sort of move forward in life um and the moment that i decided that i could do something else or that i deserve something else um was one of the hardest decisions i think i've ever made because you sort of have this idea of how success goes in the world. And, you know, we all want to be a part of it. And so when I was like, who knows if I'm going to be successful, who knows if I'm going to have anybody that, you know, connects to this work, I had to sort of let that go and think about this moment right before my grandmother passed away. I had a show in New York, which was crazy. And this woman was there who looked me in the eye because I was doing an artist talk right before, you know, flying to Tucson to see my grandma. And she said, I hope you realize that this piece that I'm looking at is speaking for generations mm -hmm. of people that did not have a voice. And I was like, whoa, that is like the most amazing thing anyone's ever said to me. And it kind of drew me back into that responsibility place that I felt disconnected from because living in New York and having to work for money and being very intentional in that way, it was like a jolt when this woman was like, you have to realize that there's something bigger and grander than, you know, walking miles to this <laughs> mid Manhattan job. Or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say that she really shifted my perspective because it became less about me and more about what about these untold stories that you said that you're committed to telling through your work? 
We've had a conversation about the Madrada piece. Would you take a, a moment to talk about how that, those ideas came to be, how it's changed and evolved um, throughout the years? Yes, I would love to. I love talking about Madrada. Um, grief, I have to say, is a really powerful inspirational tool. And even the stage of like pre-grief when you feel you're about to lose something or someone you love. And that's the stage I think I was in when where Madrada came through. I was at a residency in Spain and I had I was there for a different purpose. I was there to sort of do this installation um, called Seven Minutes in Heaven, an interactive installation. And I could sense that I was going to lose my grandma soon. And I just I I was not prepared to lose her and the loss that I feared had a lot to do with her energy and her spirit because it was very powerful. I feel like she was an alchemist and that is what the fear is when you're going through like pre-grief or even grief. You're fearful of that energy loss. You're fearful of how that person made you feel. You're fearful of kind of losing your center kind of a thing. And while I was working in the mountains, this image came through of Madrada and it was so grounding and it was such a beautiful reminder of like, we have it all to ourselves at all times. There isn't something else we need to add. We're so full. We're so beautiful. We're so complete in whatever stage that we are. And that's the energy that my grandmother gave me. And the funny thing that I had told you about is as this image was coming forward and it had like this um, Madonna-esque energy in the literal same mountain range that I was working, there is this black Madonna that I didn't know about until after Madrada came through that is like a pilgrimage space for people to come to. Her energy and her space as this black Madonna and as soon as I realized she was there and I saw her in person and felt the Madrata, it was just a complete intensity that made me want to know more, go deeper. And so I started to sort of do the history research and found out that the original term for the word virgin, it was meaning was lost over the years, but its original intent was to mean a woman wholly unto herself. Totally like nothing to do with sort of celibate or not celibate, but just having everything that you needed to know that you were important to go forward. And I felt like I got to make that print. And then seven years later, it became even better for me because then I was able to turn that print into jewelry, which is my favorite thing in the world. I can't pretend I'm obsessed with adornment. I'm obsessed with talismans. I'm obsessed with everything about that. So when I was able to create Madrata in a jewelry form, it was just transformative feeling because I feel like everybody deserves to have that feeling that they are totally complete and whole within themselves in that moment and carry it with them, wear it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, after I, I learned about this piece and we had a conversation I have to say that it's um, made an impact on me, but also uh, in the way that I'm able to like let my children know how complete they are, right? Whether they're struggling in school or, you know, stuff is, stuff happens on a daily basis. And 
um, it's really had an impact uh, on me as a as a woman and as and as a mother. You know, trying to communicate self worth in general to young yes. people. <laughs> That makes me so happy. Oh my God, my grandmom somewhere giggling, just so excited about that idea because it does sort of change your perspective because you start to become critical of those voices outside of yourself that are constantly trying to reinforce that you're not enough and that there is something missing and that you need this missing puzzle. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you're sharing that with your kids. I feel like I definitely share that with Ruby and the fact that like, you're able to grow in life and that you don't have to be perfect and that you allow things to change you and that things don't remain static. It's just right. such an, like Madrada, I feel like is really summed up with like an energy state, you know, which is right. just to remind you that you are like here, a part of the earth, a part of the world. You deserve to be here. No one else has to validate that. You automatically deserve love. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the story. Gosh, okay. Amber, what advice do you have for artists who are thinking about taking their career to the next level or just starting out? What would you say to them or what would you say to yourself at your start? Ah, that's such a good question. I would say to myself at the start, keep going as if it is the only thing that you can do. It has to feel urgent, your work. It has to feel like it's nourishing you during the lean times because there's going to be so many no's before you hear your first yes. And I think that that's the most important thing to remember as an artist. Like not every no is defining of whether you're good enough or whether you have the right to make the work that you have Mm -hmm. to make. It's your it's your work, it's your path, it's your experience. And I'd say, I know this sounds really trite, but never think that you're like too big or too small for something. It's so nice to collaborate with like-minded people, even if you don't know where it's gonna lead in your career. It's so helpful to really appreciate the engagement you can have with the community as an artist and to not value, value yourself exclusively by your exhibitions or how much money you're making off of your work or any of those things, but to constantly engage with that part of you that knows why you have to make work. It's the most important thing is to not give up, I think. I mean, that's my best advice because you'll hear a million no's before Mm -hmm. you hear your first yes. And it's so good to get that first yes. Awesome. (laughs) All right. So can you share what you are working on right now. What are you looking forward to? I am so excited that so early in the year I am exhibited in a couple of places. That feels really sweet and nice. Um, I have some pieces currently in Tucson City Hall, um, which I'm really excited. Uh, They're pieces that feel important to be in that kind of a space. They're obviously or not, obviously, they have some political elements to them. Um, so it's really nice that they're being honored in that way in the space. I'm a big fan of things not necessarily being in museums because I love when everyday people interact with art and feel less like precious about it and be like, 
I feel intimidated. I don't understand art. So I love it when it's in spaces that aren't necessarily white cubes. I also am really happy to have one of my first ever pieces that I ever made um, exhibited right now at the Urban Institute of Contemporary Art in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it'll be there until May 7th. I'm really grateful for that. And I am doing a lecture next week for the British School at Rome. I won an Abbey Awards Fellowship last year. And I'm really grateful that their fine arts department has asked me to do a lecture based on my work. So that's next Wednesday, 10 a.m. our time. Um, so those are the things I'm really working so hard to make this lecture interesting and um, fun, hopefully, because my subject matters can be really heavy. So <laughs> I try, I try to be have some sort of fun elements to it or some lightness in um, that. So those are the things I'm working on at the moment. That's so full and exciting. I <laughs> um, don't know how you do it all. I'm just in <laughs> awe and I'm just loving getting to know your work um, these past few months. And, you know, as a team member of the foundation, thank you for engaging with us in all the ways that you do. It's been really a pleasure. I appreciate it. I love this community that I'm developing here. It feels really enriching and nourishing and it's just fun to engage with different parts of the community so i'm so grateful for you for thinking of me this has been artist stories featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region to listen to more podcasts visit kxci.org artist stories is a project of the arts foundation for tucson and southern arizona which is partially funded by the city of tucson and pima county Music for this podcast was created by Jonathan Rodriguez. Thank you.